Welcome back to the second part of the current review this Tuesday, episode number 19. We are still on the state of the national address. Uh, we just had a, a, a discussion with somebody uh, 6.39 earlier on. I am still with my brother from the Unset podcast, Devo Kozi. My name is Tamsan Natu, otherwise known as TT from the TT Hookup. We are partnering with the Central News Live on the current review. Right now, we are being joined by Mr. Ntlamulonzela of the, the... I don't even know if you say it, it's the new baby on the block. No. Uh, <laughs> Far from it, we, we, we've 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 existed for some time now since nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> and they are causing havoc in the political space in the country. But like people are people are scratching their heads, uh, you know, wanting this and that to happen. And uh, you know, the, the, these guys are just uh, hogging the media headlines, and uh, you know, seeming to be making things happen. Uh, so Ndlamana is the is the spokesperson of the Umkhondo Wesizwe party. Uh, good morning, sir, and how are you? Good on yourself and uh, to our brother there. Yes, Debza. <laughs> we'll be having a, a conversation with you. Uh, it won't necessarily be, be an interview in the sense of an interview, Tata. Uh, I said to you in the introduction that there is a new baby on the blog. And I said that no, this this uh, political party has been in existence for very long or for some time. So so that would mean that you 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 have your your ducks in a row as to what you think should happen in the development trajectory of this country now and going forward. Uh, and that would mean that you would also have a a perspective on what you think should be consisting in the state of the nation address that we are about to you know to 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 have on thursday on the 8th of february so what what is your official position on what should be the content of the session of the state of the nation address and not necessarily the alternative that you would provide but what you think will be there Look, I, I think, and uh, thanks for that. The, the, the biggest issue um, that we're faced with in the country, which I think is what will be there, um, this is what we believe ought to be there. Um, yes. I, I see the president uh, speaking about the bullet train, you know, between Joburg and Durban. I see him referring to 500,000 jobs. And I see him talking about load shedding. Um, you know the, the the usual, and um, again, it's from from where we're sitting is, you know, again he'll be referring to smart cities, things that quite honestly from where we're sitting are not really tangible. So those are some of the what I'd call uh, uh, salient areas that I believe they're going to be focusing on. And obviously, naturally, there's issues of job creation, and uh, you know, uh, smaller businesses. Mm. Do you think there'll be big promises given that it's an election year this year and the contained in the state of the nation address? Um, we can expect that. I mean, I they'll definitely be mentioning NHI. They'll be touching, they'll be touching on a lot of big promises uh, by virtue of it being an electioneering year, um, which is sad because they, they have had an opportunity 
uh, at least in the past uh, years during his term, to have implemented uh, some of those promises. And again, it's just an issue of promises. And again, this year, it will be much bigger promises by virtue of being an election year. So, yeah. yeah. And, so and, we don't expect more and, than... And the alternative, therefore, like what, what is it that the MP party would be promising? And this, I think, let's be careful that majority it would for me it would it would appear that majority of the members of the MP party are former members of the ANC and therefore they have been in the in in the in the in the seat of governance themselves for very long. What alternatives can you propose realistically as the MK party? Well uh, let me start by saying that you know the the current state of the economy uh you know, where you look at just in terms of our deficit and where we're sitting, um, is what north of six percent uh, to GDP. I mean, we're sitting at about three hundred and thirty billion, and uh, that we pretty much overspent on. And the only way you can reverse that or at least improve the economic activity is quite honestly, if you're a government, is to spend. Um, but at the same time, you can't just spend if you aren't able to collect revenue. And that has been our biggest issue. You know, you can't again collect revenue if there is no jobs and there's no vibrant economy for SMEs to thrive uh, in order for them to create those jobs. But the fact of the matter, which is the underlying issue here, is the reality of load shedding. You cannot separate economic growth, uh, industrialization, job creation um, without electricity. So first and foremost, um, as you mentioned, you know, tried and tested uh, leader in this case, be in the form of uh, President Zuma, he has demonstrated the ability to bring to an end load shedding. Um, and again, you know, if you're going to be having uh, an end to load shedding, what you also need uh, is a very important uh, state-owned entity, which is very central also to the country's uh, growth, which is Transnet. Um, Transnet is a logistical backbone of this country. So, you know, without uh, infrastructure that allows for trade, uh, at least within the southern uh, trade zone, um, you know, you, you, you're bound to, to, to have a crippling economy. Because again, there won't be any taxes that we collect and there won't be revenue coming into the country. So import and export becomes very uh, crucial. Um, and Transnet mm -hmm. is important from that perspective. But, but then, wouldn't you say that Transnet collapsed uh, during the the years of the governance of the of, of the former president uh, Jacob Zuma, whom you are projecting as an alternative uh, leader, uh, you know, to what we have now? No, not at all. Uh, during President Zuma's time, uh, Transnet, uh, as you would know, has got a Transnet International. Transnet International was investing in strategic projects, whether it be ports. Um, and all kind of infrastructure within the African continent, as well as rail. Um, and these were all under the President Zuma's time. Transnet, at the time of President Zuma, um, you know, the, the, the economic impact that it had was known um, from a rail infrastructure perspective. There were new, and there was new uh, infrastructure that was a source in the form of uh, trains, for instance, where we had uh, an agreement with China but under this current administration, what then happened is, for instance, they couldn't even maintain those trains, you know, uh, which are under transit trade rail. Uh, worse, 
because of politicking, they wouldn't even want to renew the maintenance uh, contract for the for the OEM owner of those trains, you know, which is the Chinese government, which now um, Mr. Uh, Minister uh, Godan had to find himself having to go to China to go and re renegotiate what, he had, what we're supposed to have discussed a long time ago. So we had trains that were stagnant and sitting there under the transit trade rail. Those were, that was not the case under President Trump. Uh, and many other examples I can give. But mm -hmm. that's just the, the reality of what we're facing right now. And and in the field of uh, education, do you are there are there any differences that you guys uh, would would uh, propose different for this year? I know that you know that like, uh, former President Zuma is is known as the father of free education in the country, and uh, there is a there, there is a view that things seem to have been uh, stagnant or not moving forward in that in, in in that space since he left. Is that the view that you hold? Things have been stagnant. Um, I mean, the, 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 the writing is on the wall. Um, we're seeing it right now with what's happening with the university students uh, as it pertains to NESFAS. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the current education system in of itself needs an overhaul. Um, right down from, you know, your pupils in terms of high school, uh, even primary school, we just have to overhaul this whole uh, syllabus uh, as far as we're concerned. Because, and as I'd mentioned, in our constitution, we refer to basic education. We can't be as a country that's as vibrant, a country that's globally local and locally global, uh, be training and uh, only giving our children basic education. It, it would never make them competitive. So we need an education system that gears our children um, and our students to be that of an international level. And one of those that I'd mentioned was, for instance, the Cambridge syllabus. And what that does is a lot of the um, private schools are actually implementing this. By implementing a Cambridge syllabus, automatically you put government uh, schools on par with multinational private schools. Uh, why can't we do that? There's nothing stopping us from doing that. So those, those are some of, uh, that's some of the thinking. Let me give another element. Right now, um, I don't see why we shouldn't be identifying specific schools and converting those schools to boarding schools and giving them all the infrastructure that they need. Where kids, number one, have got access to the best syllabus in terms of education. They've got access to proper, uh, on a daily basis, support, whether it be in terms of food, whether it be in terms of um, sporting facilities and so on and so forth. Now, what does that do? I don't know if you've noticed, but this is something that I've continuously noticed. Whenever schools are closed, have you noticed that we don't have a traffic? It's a fact. Mm. Because sure. of the fact that, um, you know, the parents are not having to find themselves dropping kids off. So, mm. and that automatically does have a, 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 you know, an impact on the economy in terms of productivity. As A person arriving earlier at work has got an impact on how they perform that day. It's a fact, all right? Unlike a situation where, you know, you're having to find yourself being stuck in traffic. When schools are closed, you don't actually experience that. And productivity goes, goes through the roof. And you can actually see that. Second point is that when kids are at boarding school, in this case, under the administration and oversight of government, parents now don't have to find themselves having to 
do two jobs and then their kids being foster care parents. Kids ought to be kids and given an opportunity to grow as kids. Right now, what we find today in our country is that because of the current state of our country, parents uh, and the most downtrodden find themselves having to go and work for two jobs, leaves at 4 a.m., only to come back late at about 11 a.m. when the children are asleep. And then their first eldest child is the one that is now having to play a role of foster. No, when we have schools with infrastructure and kids are taken care of, um, as I just mentioned, we won't be having those kind of challenges. And it will certainly have you know, a dominant effect impact on our economy, as well as our kids' educational world. Mm. And uh, Debza, the, 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 you know, the, the, the current leadership of the, of the ANC, if, if we have to take a period beyond the 20, like just after 2017, that 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 leadership is only about seven years old. I think President Ramaphosa is the president of the ANC for about seven years now. Do you think that time is sufficient enough to have had such a massive change in the direction and policy view of the ANC, such that you would have now uh, former members of the ANC having formed themselves into an alternative of what they think the ANC should be? Well, the answer is quite simple. If you've got the resources, anything is possible. You can make even a turnaround timing, but in three days, if you want it to happen. And mm. which I can easily say for, for the other members who decided to break away from, from the ANC and decide to go in their own ways, they also had a plenty of time. I mean, like if you can look into President Jacob Zuma, he was in office for two terms. We can easily go back and say, what has he done in those two terms? We speak about the fact that how he was on the road of, of stopping load shedding. He was on the road of stopping load shedding. You must listen to that narrative on the road. But still, load shedding was still there. I mean, like, if you can look at the stats, 1994, South Africa had a population of, what, just over 40 million. Today, we're sitting at close to, it was 43 million in 1994. Today, we're sitting at close to about 60, 63, 64. So there was a growth of about 17 million plus in terms of the population itself. Now, question is that the grid that was designed to carry basic, simple electricity, was there ever a chance to improve it during that time? We've had 30 years of democracy, of which everybody who broke away from the ANC was part and parcel of this trade. Now, 30 years later, we're still debating about this current president is failing to do this, the past president, uh, brought down the economy to that. But we need to look at the fact that how the matter is that is the people that were in office capable of making those chances? Simple. Right now you've got MK, they're saying they are not happy with everything that is stagnant. What changes can they bring? During their time when they were still part and parcel of the ANC, they had plenty of opportunities to make those changes. There were certain things that the country was not happy about. Yes, there's changes, there were talks about with the Russians about bringing some nuclear power. Why is it that currently South Africa only has one nuclear power station? You know, but Kanako, you've got people that were in offices. Now, all I can say to you right now is that all the political powers, all the political parties keep on making promises to the citizens. But simple question, and I can throw a question to you, my brother, uh, and actually ask you a simple question. 
What's the easiest way of stopping load shedding? What solution do you as MK say? This is what we're gonna implement to stop load shedding. Okay, so maybe let me start by by saying uh when because I take it you're referring to President Zoom at the time uh or, or at, at, well, when he was at the helm as president. President Zuma stopped load shedding. He was not in the checks of he stopped load shedding. And he didn't just make a promise of saying on this date when load shedding is going to stop and it never stopped. It actually did stop. Um, and he made a commitment and he lived to it. And there was no load shedding. The biggest challenge, as you would know, with what causes load shedding is the issue of maintenance. Um, our power stations are not being maintained, and that's a fact. That's just the reality of the situation, which then perpetuates uh, the current state that we find ourselves of load shedding. So it's just pure negligence. Uh, under the current administration, and also take into consideration that the current president was the deputy president at the time, was the head of government business, who also was the chair of the war room for load shedding. So um, when President Zuma left, he left uh, an ESCOM that worked, and he left a country that had no load shedding. So I think let's start there. The other notion that I want to bring to yourself is... Um, you know, the, the, the perception of, oh, well, you know, we are an extension of, we're not an extension of the ANC. Um, we are an MK party, which is a new party. Um, it is Mukonto with Caesar, of which aims to do exactly that. Remember, what is also important for you to understand is that, yes, President Zuma is campaigning for MK party, but it was civil society, traditional leaders, traditional healers, religious leaders uh, that came to President Zuma. Uh, and engaged him uh, and said, President Zuma, we, we cannot continue in the current form of this, the state of this country as it is. Um, we need leadership and called upon him to intervene. President Zuma was in retirement. Uh, you know, he was at in no point, uh, you know, going to want to uh, head up any political party or in effect, um, you know, campaign, as he'd always mentioned, for the ANC that is no longer an ANC that represents him. President Zuma is at home. So it is civil society that wants to see change that engaged President Zuma. Um, you mentioned that some of us were already there. No, it's not true. Um, yes, some of us are professionals. Some of us are business people that have also taken it upon ourselves to actually start engaging and entering the political scene because we too cannot continue to allow a situation such as this to perpetuate itself and to purport to be people that are leading this country that care for people and yet we're not seeing exactly any of that change uh, happening. So so I think that's, that's, that was just to clarify uh, that, uh, my brother. And, and, but do you not think there is a contradiction between what you are saying uh, when you say that the it was civil society that called out President Zuma from, from retirement. Uh, I'm saying this uh, given the fact that it was civil society, again in 2016, 2015, 2016, that was uh, leading campaigns against uh, President Zuma, saying Zuma must fall. And, and now you're saying that they are saying that he must come out of retirement. No, I mean, and that's, that's exactly the clear differentiation here. Uh, the Zuma's fall campaign was funded by middle-class white monopoly capitalist effect. Um, and they, they drove a certain narrative. The people that were at the Zuma Mas 4 were not people from the rural areas. It was not people from the townships. It was people from the suburbs, people from metropolitan areas. So 
it is not a true reflection of people not wanting uh, uh, President Zuma to continue at the time to finish or to finish his his, his term. It's not true. It was yeah. just a certain cabal and a certain trick of people that went on this campaign to more, more so dehumanize and decampaign President Zuma. Mm. You know, Tebo uh, asked a question around what what do you think must be done or what would you propose to be done for Luchini to end? And I remember that there, there was a, a time when a former president, also former president Tabo Mbeki said that, was asking the question that, why is it that we're unable to do what uh, Brian Mulefe did at ESCOM to end load shedding? Now, what is it that you, as the MK party, would propose should be done to end load shedding? I think, uh, naturally, the, the biggest challenge that we have is that, and before, as I'm answering that question, the biggest challenge that we have is that, you know, we we have capable South Africans that are able to uh, intervene and end load shedding. Very uh, you know, uh, highly uh, intelligent uh, engineers and so on and so forth with their expertise. But because of the politicking that happens and the targeting of black professionals, we've got now a brain drain in the, in the government as well as in state-owned entities because people are no longer uh, there wanting to assist, but more so in fear of being targeted and caught up in political squabbles that end up ending their careers. And that's the biggest challenge. So what we ought to be doing is we ought to be identifying, and which we will, South Africans that are capable enough to do so. Mm. South Africans that have got the credentials, that have got the credibility, that have got the track record and referenceability to demonstrate how to actually intervene and end this. For instance, even with Transnet, um, there's executives that we know uh, well, we're highly capable, you know, that transformed that organization. The same with ESCOM. So it, it's a matter of let's take the politics and put them aside. Let's identify South Africans that are capable. We've got all the expertise to intervene and help this country. Because at the end of the day, it's not about individuals. It's about a country here. It's about the people of this country. So there's a likelihood that would bring uh, Coco, Coco Matsela and Brian Molife back to run the the, the institutions that they were running, the Transnet as well as ESCOM. We'll bring in the capable people. Mm. And Gogo Marcelo. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think what's, what's important um, is we, we need to be focusing at the will of the people and transforming this country. If you're going to be having radical economic transformation, you need state-owned entities that work. You need an ESCOM that works. Um, if you want to create jobs, you need that. If you want a 24-hour economy, you need electricity. Let's get people who are competent to do the job, not polit political appointments. You know, we saw what happened with the previous uh, CEO of, of ESCOM in a form of uh, the rater. Brought that organization to its knees. So we're saying, you know, let's, let's also forget this issue of wealth. You know, uh, well, Coco or Brian in this case, you know, uh, was seen to be associated with... There was no such thing. These were guys and professionals that were appointed during that time because of their capability. And then now they are guilty by association under that administration, which is the biggest problem that we have in this country. Let's stop the politics and let's bring in competence. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. And and in, in terms of uh, other programs that uh, you would like to see proposed into the State of the National Address and actually being translated into reality. What else are you guys thinking? Crime. Crime is a big issue. And we cannot 
you know, you cannot separate the crime issue from the immigration issue. The, the biggest challenge that we have, and we've seen, that's why crime has gone through the roof. Under the current administration, you know, uh, our, our borders have become so porous um, that in of itself, that is affecting our economy. One, two, jobs that are purely, and that should be purely occupied by South Africans, are now being taken by undocumented uh, foreign nationals. Crime is going through the roof because people know, by virtue of them being uh, foreign nationals, undocumented foreign nationals, that you know they're not in the harness system, and so therefore in the criminal uh, system, they won't be picked up in the form of the ping of fingerprints and so on and so forth. So because of these porous borders, crime has really gone through the roof. I mean, uh, there are 77 murders a day in South Africa, 77 murders a day. That cannot be a country that uh, brings confidence to security. Uh, there are 2 million people still living in shacks. You know, they're still also hungry. All these things are issues that we ought to be addressing and focusing on. And that's what we, want, we would actually focus our state of the nation address on. Start with mm. the basics. <laughs> Stop, don't, don't focus on smart cities, and uh, bullet trains. Yes, we, we understand that they would, may have economic power, but the fact of the matter is we don't have the basics. We don't have electricity. And by virtue of that, it's crippling our economy. Look at what has happened uh, in the past six years. In the past six years, our rand has dropped by 48% in its currency value. 48%. That's very telling, right? Um, not only that, um, if you look at a, a report that was done by Michael Sachs, who at one point was at National Treasury, I think it was in 2018, he said for the first time in the history of this country, beneficiation dropped dismally. So in terms of exports uh, of our ore uh, and our minerals versus you know, beneficiation off the back of that, we, we, we have not even seen the value, the, the, the benefit of actually uh, having uh, exported such ore, you know, and the economic impact that it ought to have had. We, we haven't. So yeah. that again also is very, very telling. And we're saying, yeah. let's focus on those basics before we yeah. start to talk about smart cities, because you can't have a smart city without electricity. Yeah. You can't have but, a 24 hour. Economy I'm, very interested, to, I'm very interested to. I'm very And also, <laughs> the, the other point I wanted to. Quickly, my brother, the other point I wanted to make, here's an example. We've got uh, refineries in this country that have become mothballs, right? We've got separate. Why aren't we inf upgrading that infrastructure, bringing in oil from our BRICS partners, uh, and then refining our own product? That alone has got an impact on the food price, the cost of living, and we should be able to produce and refine our own product, our own fuel, whether it be diesel or petroleum. But we're not doing that. And yet we continue to let our refineries dilapidate to the extent of you know, uh, them coming to a standstill. Very sad. So we're actually uh, sabotaging our own selves. Or maybe you know what it is? The lack of political will to get things done. Therein also lies the problem. Mm -hmm. I think I think we should have a, a a discussion around the point that you raised because I think I wanted to touch on it now, but it may just uh, 
uh, take a conversation to be even longer. But you raised you raised something about the 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 rate of crime being linked to the the the, the, the porous borders, and therefore a suggestion that the crime in this country is being committed by foreign nationals. Uh, I'm not sure if that is the point that you want to make. And this, for me, brings in the question as to what is the MK's party, uh, you know, policy on the so-called uh, foreign nationals, you know? Is that, is that something that maybe you'd like to touch on just for two minutes? Look, look, we, 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 we're a party that believes uh, in open trade between uh, African countries, specifically in Saudi. Uh, but we are also a country that believes in the law. And uh, when we're talking about foreign nationals, we're not saying we don't want foreign nationals. We want foreign nationals in our country, uh, but we don't want undocumented illegal foreigners in our country. Do you know that uh, at one point in time that President Jacob Zuma was a foreign national in a number of countries? Uh, Dynamics were different. <laughs> in a number of countries. Indeed, indeed. And the dynamics were different, um, including uh, President... Uh, uh, you know, make uh, it being a, a foreign national in the UK. And also. <laughs> Sometimes we're different, you know. Um, yeah. But 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 again, I mean, what 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 I, what I wanted to say is, we we have seen that the porous borders has contributed to a lot of crime going through. I mean, if you see some of the cash and transit heists that are happening, you can tell that these are military trained individuals that are executing this. You know, and they're executing it with finesse. Um, and we know that once that is, well, once there's a cash and transit heist, you don't find them easily. They're gone across the border and then come back again. So you can tell that, you know, it's so well orchestrated. And this has been happening ever since our borders have been totally uh, porous. So we cannot separate the, the, the issue of crime to uncontrolled immigration, in mm. effect. Mm. Um, it's 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 a big year. Uh, it's an election year. Uh, you you guys are hoping to be elected into power. Uh, realistically speaking, uh, how how well do you think the MK party will do? Would we have at least we're about good. five ten seats in parliament, or what do you think is going to happen? We're going for a two third majority. The MK party is going to have two thirds majority. You can have a smirk on your face right now. But you're going, to, you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to be pleasantly surprised what's happened. Let me share with something with you. Yes. You know, when there's the revolution of the people, it is the people that take it upon themselves and in their own heads to institute change. And this is what is happening. Everyone's been asking us who's funding MK Party. We're not funding MK Party. We don't have business people that are funding MK Party, believe it or not. The donations that have been coming in, obviously, uh, as controlled by the IEC, um, you know, are audited by the IEC, but those have to be spent on specific political programs as it pertains to electioneering. When it comes to the rallies and all that you've been seeing, uh, the, 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 the campaigns that we've been doing, the rallies and the meet and greet events, all of those have been organized by, by the people themselves. Mm. Without us having spent a cent, Look at, look at what happened in Wakilima. 25,000 people showed up. Mm. Look at what happened in, in Newcastle. About 12,000 people, 15,000 people showed up. So wherever we go, 
you know, it is it is by way of invite where people are saying we want to see MK leadership, we want to see President Zuma, we want to engage with President Zuma, and it is moving at you know a, 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 a momentum that no one ever expected, mm. and that is but, a fact. But, but, but it would require would require presence in more than just three provinces because right now it would seem that we are present in KZN, in Pumalanga, and some parts of Hauden. You know, you 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 are present in the northwest, in the Free State, and other provinces. So how can you get that kind of number? Yeah. So let me put it this way. In the same way people didn't expect the turnout in Bumalang, it's because there's a lot of underground work that's being done. You know, there's a lot of work that is being done um, by interaction with uh, our ground forces and citizens, and consulting, by the way, with traditional leaders who are very key. Uh, for instance, in the Eastern Cape, in Limbobo, you're going to be seeing huge events that are going to be coming off the back of that, and mm. and 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 so there is a plan, you know. We 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 know that when it comes to KZN, we've demonstrated that uh, we have large support, and those that are currently governing there uh, are very very worried because they may not be coming back. Watch what happens when it comes to Hauke. Watch what happens. Next week, we're going to be uh, in, in the Val, this, this weekend. We're going to be in the Val. Watch what happens. And then tell me if MK is a KZN. MK is not a KZN party. MK is a national party. And we're going to be demonstrating that. But, but when, you, when you have uh, such important figures in your party, as a Gizem Tun, who's able to say that people who speak a different language must go and campaign in their, in, in their provinces and live uh, KZN to the MK party. Does that not mean to say that uh, you know uh, MK party is for Zulu-speaking people and the people in KZN? No, we went against that. We do not tolerate tribalism at all. And we spoke to Ngezwe and we told him that. By the way, let me make something very clear. Ngezwe is not a member of MK. He said it himself. Okay. So um, naturally, you'll find people who you know, are militias who want to try and so I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I'm saying we've had a lot of that. People yeah, trying yeah. to associate us with, uh, you know, all sorts of tribalism. We, we're not a tribalistic party. You know, uh, I'm Shangan. <laughs> you know, uh, from Joburg. You know, um, there's many other members. Our SG is is is, is uh, Posa. Uh, our TG is Twana. You know, so uh, just because we started our campaign in KZN doesn't necessarily... Who is the president, by the way? <laughs> who is the president of uh, your party? The people The people will decide who the president must be. That's why we're going and consulting uh, with all the traditional leaders. But we've got other officials. And yes, yes, yes. We, we have a national working core. Uh, okay. We have a national working core of close to about 18 uh, uh, members of the mm -hmm. party that are very mm -hmm. senior. Uh, from uh, Mukonto Caesar MKMVA, very senior people, um, as well as youth that are also involved, women that are also involved. So it may seem as if, you know, this MK party doesn't seem to have much of a structure. Well, wait and see. We are only, what now? Uh, we're only eight weeks, give or take, eight weeks to nine weeks old. Okay. Give or take, actually been less than that, right? But there's a lot that we have done. I mean, there's a lot of work that has been done. There's a lot of groundwork that has been done. We're saying, wait and see. Mm -hmm.
Now, in 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 conclusion uh, of this discussion, um, of course, like I I think I would want us to share with another engagement with you around many issues which you know would be just about the MK party because now we try to have this discussion you know around the you know yourselves of course but as well as mostly on the on the sauna. Uh, what do you think the people should know or should expect? Or what would you propose differently if you were to be delivering the sauna yourselves? And what message do you have for the people uh, for the upcoming uh, elections? And maybe before you even go there, did you guys participate in the in the registration process for elections this this past weekend? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we were throughout the country. We had uh, I mean, all our wards uh, representatives uh, there. We did participate. Uh, we had an amazing turnout uh, at those uh, stations. So we, we've done we've done quite well, um, and and we, we we were quite ready to go. I mean, uh, we also attended um, even prior to this. Uh, we were invited. Obviously, all the parties were invited by the IEC. We underwent uh, training uh, as well as a presentation, you know, on the process and procedures of electioneering and what the IEC. Uh, uh, you know, as an organization, uh, would be offering us when we need assistance and so on and so forth. You know, they gave us a lot of material. So yeah, we, we, we've been uh, engaging quite quite a bit with the IEC, um, and 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 things are going well. Um, we do realize that there's a whole lot more work to be done. So what we need to be doing right now is we're mobilizing, uh, recruiting, and making sure that uh, people are informed as it pertains to voting. Right, cool. Now, in conclusion, what what uh, what do you, what would you like people to know, uh, and what are you proposing differently for them uh, towards the elections and for the state of the election address? The first, first and most important point is to change the constitution. We need to change this constitution uh, and give the land back to the people. Um, you can't talk about means of production, productivity if you don't even own land. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So that's one of the first things that we need to do because this constitution does not uh, meet the requirements um, of a black child. Remember, we're an African country. We're African people. But this current constitution is structured around Roman Dutch law. It cannot be. Um, so that's one. Again, end load shedding. And we know how to do that. We've demonstrated that. That will have a dominant impact on many other things. Um, do, again, uh, stimulate the country with infrastructure investments, right? But you cannot do that without load shedding. So you can see there's a huge dependency on ensuring that there is electricity because that is the key uh, catalyst. Has been, you know... Uh, has, has not been there since, I mean, as you would know, the decision was actually been made to, to uh, in effect, for certain entities, state-owned entities, and BE. So we need to bring back BE to stimulate small businesses and Black participation. Black professionals have been sidelined. Black professionals have been sidelined. If you look at in the current administration, uh, the state attorney, the fees were brought down by 1,500 an hour for lawyers and advocates. And I can tell you, I know a lot of them, and they're not happy. Why is that being the case? You know, 
So there's a lot of elements uh, that need to be addressed <laughs> in this country. And then again, get the rail infrastructure going. I mean, you know, you 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 cannot talk about uh, growing an economy when the most important logistical backbone organization says it's transcendent, come transcendental. It's it's it, it, it cannot be. So mm. you know, all of these have to happen concurrently, uh, and these need to be very key focus areas. In effect, again, for people need to understand that you see. Let's talk about traditional leaders. And that's why I refer to the fact that we are Africans in the African term. We should have traditional leaders and traditional traditional healers being represented in, in, in at national level, national assembly. Let me, let me give you an example. When the prime minister of the UK, a country without a constitution, by the way, funny enough, when the prime minister of the UK gets appointed into office, who does he go and see first? He goes and sees the queen or the king, right? The king and the queen, the king and the prime minister, or the queen and the prime minister, they engage at least on a bi-weekly or weekly basis, right? Where the prime minister gives feedback and reports in terms of what's happening within government. Why is it that it's an issue, or why can't we have it that way here? That in the Eastern Cape, the premier uh, is appointed by the people, the traditional leaders that came together, as well as civil society and religious leaders. They appoint a premier that they trust, and the same happens. He must be accountable to the people. If it can be done there, why is it not being done here? So again, the constitution is not a constitution that meets the needs of our people. Our people here are suffering. The the wheels of uh, uh, you know the, the 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 legal system in this country turn very slowly. So mm. we need to now extend the, the judicial system that is that we within the communities. So extending mm. the, the, the 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 court systems. Into the into, into the communities, and that becomes critical. And that yes. is yet another talking point that I think we need to have a long discussion on, uh, because I I I I I will have many questions for you as as, as a political party around around that. But for now, I think uh, let us thank you very much for having joined us, and uh, we hope that. Uh, we will have another discussion. I think, uh, producer, please interview again, uh, maybe in the <laughs> next week, uh, to speak specifically to. There are very many topical and controversial issues that I hear Tlamodo uh, uh, raising on behalf of his uh, uh, new baby, the the the, the MK party. Uh, new for baby. Now, thank you very much, uh, <laughs> Mr. Jela. We have had a an enlightening and yet provoking discussion which proposes another discussion. Uh, for now, we're out. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.